Right, good morning, everybody. Let's get to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8, please. I think you guys say Nehemiah. Nehemiah, whatever that is. Nehemiah chapter 8. Can anyone in the back hear me? Caleb, they need it up a little bit. Is it good? Okay. Nehemiah chapter 8, and we'll read beginning in verse number 9. However, I would like to introduce the chapter to you, just explaining the context, if that's all right. In verses 1 to 8, what you have is Ezra. If you're familiar with that man, he was a priest, very well instructed in the law of God, knew his Bible very well. Ezra stood up on a pulpit of wood and began to read from the Bible to the nation of Israel that had returned from captivity. Now bear in mind, these Israelites, they had been punished for 70 years in a foreign land. They were already pretty down on themselves because of this punishment. They knew they had disappointed God. And now Ezra stands and reads from the Bible and it comes very clear to them just how badly they had messed up. Folks, have you ever done that? Have you ever read through the Bible and then it it dawns on you, I had no idea I was this far off. I knew that my life had issues, but wow, now that I see where God wants me and I see where I'm at, oh man, it can be devastating. It it can really floor you. So that's what happens in verses 1 to 8. He preaches, the people hear it. They have a, a series of Levites set of Levites that were also trained in the in the word and as Ezra read these Levites would go to small groups of Jews and make sure that they understood what what had been read it was a a really quick discipleship course basically so Ezra read the Bible gave the distinct meaning and then these Levites made sure everybody understood it properly Verse 9, it says, And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha. The Tershatha, that's just a, a, a word from another language that means governor. Which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Now, make sure we're on the same page. It's holy unto the Lord it means this is a special day it wasn't before this but as of now this was a special day God was doing something unique for these people he says this is a a holy uh, this day is holy unto the Lord your God mourn not nor weep that's what they were doing mourning and weeping They were devastated by what they had heard from the Bible. They were devastated because they had gone so far from it. And then at the end of verse 9, For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat. Amen. You South Africans should love that. (laughs) I've never understood that about your biltong. I like biltong. But why do you guys like the fatty pieces? 
I don't know, some of you guys chew the fat like it's bubble gum. That's just nasty. But in case you need a verse to back it up, there it is. <laughs> Amen. I, I can't condemn you, can I? <laughs> Eat the fat. Bible says back there in Leviticus chapter 3, all the fat is the Lord's. So that's the part he likes too. <laughs> Eat the fat and drink the sweet. There's your cool drinks. <laughs> Have a Fanta or a Coke or whatever. Drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. So if you have something lekker om te eat, eat that. And make sure everybody has something to eat, something to enjoy. This needs to, de- this needs to be a good day for everyone. You see what they're doing here. He says at the end of verse 10, For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry For the joy of the Lord is your strength. These people were devastated and they had given up hope on themselves. They were mourning, weeping, feeling sorry. Do you think this day felt very holy unto them? No. To them this is a horrible day. We have just found out that we are a huge disappointment to God. And at their lowest, God sends the messenger to say, guys, cheer up. This day is actually a whole lot better than you think. This is a holy day unto the Lord. And there's actually a great reason to rejoice. In verse 11, so the Levites stilled all the people saying, hold your peace. For the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. The people were crying out from their grief saying oh God we we are so wretched we are so bad verse 12 and all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them now this is usually the part where I would tell you the name of my sermon but I'm not going to do it this time I got to set it up a little bit. So let's pray, and then I'll give you the name. Let's pray. Father, please help us this morning. Lord, a lot of us may look at our situation in life, not feel that it's very holy or unique or special. We may not see what you're doing, and we might be pretty down on ourselves. I pray that today, God, you would remind us of how we can find great joy in this time. I pray that you please speak to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to point out to you as the chapter goes on so that you know what happened. The people had a great day. They weren't expecting it, but they had a great day that day. On the second day, you can see in verse 13, on the second day they were gathered together and they continued to read in, in the law and they found where it was written, that in the seventh month you need to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles runs from the 15th day to the 22nd day of the month. So they had about two weeks to prepare for it. They kept the feast. That's to the end of the chapter. You can see that. Day by day, they they had a wonderful time in the feast. They they practiced it in a way that hadn't been done for over a thousand years. I mean, they really enjoyed it. 
And in chapter 9, just if you want to look there quickly, chapter 9 and verse 1. Now in the 20 and 4th day of this month. So this is now over three weeks from where we started off in chapter 8. In the 20 and 4th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloths and earth upon them. Now what happens for the rest of the chapter is Israel as a nation repents and they have they've put dirt on their heads they've put sackcloth on which is like a potato sack it's burlap it is the posture of repentance and these people chapter 9 is an amazing chapter they confess all that they've done wrong I say this so that you know when you mess up you should be sorry godly sorrow works repentance to salvation not to be repented of. There is a place for sorrow. When you have disappointed God, there should be some tears. There should be some introspection. There should be some examining of your heart to say, where did I go so wrong? But today I'd like to offer you a little bit of balance. So if I can, I need some help with this. Sean, do you mind being my volunteer? Will you do it willingly or should I force you? <laughs> You're willing? Okay, come on up here. Now, Sean has no idea. Go ahead and leave your Bible back there because, yeah, you, I never would normally say, I know, I know. You, you know it's a bad day when I say that. Okay, I need you to stand right here. Yeah, I want you to face the crowd. All right, say hi, Sean. Hi. Okay, now... <laughs> All right, Sean, I, I want you just, l let, me, let me adjust you a little bit because we're going to have a big reveal here in just a minute. Your eyes are going to be focused right here, but I want you to close your eyes just for now. And I'm going to show the crowd the name of my sermon, but you don't get to see it right away. Okay, just close your eyes. All right, here we go. All right, I've gotten you a gift. It's a basket of lemons. I want you to look at the camera. Christina, make sure you get a... Maybe, maybe zoom in. How, how do you feel? Tell us how you feel about receiving a basket of lemons. I have no words. <laughs> that is a great response. I have no words. Uh, be honest now. Don't lie because you're now in the pulpit. If you lie, thunder and lightning comes down. It's very bad. It's very bad. Are, are you happy about the lemons? Tell the truth. Is this a great gift? It's neutral. Okay, so, so you're not extremely happy about it. Are you angry that I gave you lemons? I'm not angry. I'm you, you're not angry. He's confused. <laughs> do, do, do you really care that you are now going to go home with a basket of lemons? It really doesn't change much about your life, does it? <laughs> Except now, you're going to go back to your chair with a basket of lemons. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, if my name was Oprah, you'd all have a basket of lemons <laughs> under your chair. <laughs> but <laughs> you're getting a lemon, and you're getting a lemon, and we're all getting lemons. <laughs> I'm not going to go there with it. There are generally three reactions to receiving a basket of lemons. 
I went through them with Sean. Sean had one of these reactions. Uh, Thanks, but I'm really not sure why you gave me lemons. And I really don't care that now I have a basket of lemons. The lemons are not going to change his life. He's not going to do anything with them. They are just going to be. That's one reaction to lemons. Second reaction. You can get angry that someone gave you a basket of lemons. You can take it personally and say, how dare you? Of all the things you would give me, is this what you think of me? You gave me lemons. These lemons are now a burden to me. I have to take this basket of lemons home. This is ridiculous. I don't have time for these lemons. You can be angry about it. Third reaction. You could look at the basket of lemons and say, well, I wasn't expecting it, but I can make lemon chicken. I can make lemon pie. I can make lemon, uh, I can make uh, lemonade. You know what? I don't really like lemons that much, but I could open up a lemonade stand and sell it to all the people that do like lemonade and I could make quite a bit of money. Now that's a very optimistic view of a basket of lemons. But it is another way to look at the lemons. Have you folks ever heard this saying? This is an old saying. I know you guys have heard this. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I'm borrowing that thought today because often the lemons that you find in your life, they turn you quite sour. They turn you quite bitter. You've seen a little child bite into a lemon for the first time, yes? (laughs) That is a priceless, priceless look on their face. You need to video the first time your child ever bites a lemon. And and sometimes when life gives you lemons, that's our reaction. We look at what's going on in our life and we say, (laughs) and it's just horrible. It's devastating. What if, listen, Sean, you cannot change the fact that now you have a basket of lemons. That's, That's what life has given you today. He can't change that. The lemons are lemons. So what can he do? He can change his perspective about how he looks at the lemons. That's what Israel needed to do. They had baskets filled with sour lemons. And when they read and heard the words of the Bible, they looked at their life and said, nothing but lemons. We have disappointed God. We are wretched and horrible and miserable in His sight. We are no good. We're worthless. We're hopeless. And then God said, Nehemiah, tell them that they need to look at their situation from a different angle. They don't feel like it's a very special day. They feel like they've disappointed me so much that they'll never be of any use to me again. Nehemiah, tell them that this is still a special day. Tell them to look at the lemons from a different angle. So today I'm preaching to you a sermon called Lemons. Lemons. There are two ways that a basket of lemons might arrive at your house. Number one, somebody brought it by mistake. I seriously doubt any of you would go out of your way to order a basket of lemons. 
you know you can go online and order things and they deliver it to your house, right? I seriously doubt anyone goes online and orders, click, 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 submit, send, and now you get a basket of lemons. Sometimes they just show up by mistake. Someone sent them to you, you weren't expecting them, but they're there. But sometimes you actually do bring the lemons. Sometimes you go onto the internet and you're, you, you say, send me a Lamborghini. And it auto-corrects the word Lamborghini because you've never typed that into your computer and it changes it to lemons. And you're expecting any moment to hear the rev of an engine as they deliver this Lamborghini and turns out they brought a lemon. (laughs) It's your fault. You ordered it. Listen, it was your mistake. You did it to yourself. I think all of us at one point or another we have either had a basket of lemons come into our life that wasn't our fault. It it showed up. Maybe somebody else brought it. Maybe it's just an accident. Maybe it's just part of life but it's sour, it's bitter, it's difficult to deal with and at other times we brought it on ourselves. So I I don't know where you're at this morning what you're dealing with but one way or the other I think today's message could apply in your life. Chances are there's a few lemons you need to work out, you need to deal with. Now I have found there are two responses amongst Christianity towards sin. One response is to ignore it. There is a faction within Christianity that says let's not talk about it, let's ignore it, let's just have grace, let's not judge anything. And there's never any rebuking. There's no reproof. There's no pointing of the finger to say, Thou art the man. You messed up. You were wrong. And, and for some Christians, they think that anybody that would rebuke another or judge another with the right attitude, mind you, they think that's the worst crime there is. How dare you point out that somebody else has a basket of lemons? Listen. Call a lemon a lemon. If you got a basket of lemons, just own up to it. Now, that's one side of Christianity. But, and I fear independent, fundamental, Bible-believing people, we go to the other extreme. One extreme is pretend it's not there, never talk about it. Everything's good. God loves us. God doesn't see anything wrong in us. Everything we do is fine. But then we see that And a lot of us go the other way. And all we see in our life is the lemons. That's all we ever talk about. It's all we ever think about. All we do is complain about how rotten life is. And and even so much so that we beat ourselves up every day. And we convince ourselves, because of the mistakes I've made, because of the hand that I was dealt, or the lemons that got dropped off at my house, life is not worth living. God will never use me. God will never be happy with me. I am a wretch. I am miserable. I'm poor. I'm blind. I'm naked. I'm stupid. I'm worthless. I'm hopeless. God could not love somebody like me. And we go all the way the other direction. And all we focus on is how bad we are. Now folks, let's call the lemon a lemon. Are we capable of being extremely wicked? Amen. 
Are we capable of being wretched, miserable, poor, blind? That's what Jesus said, right? He said that there's a group of of Christians, they're lukewarm. They say they have need of nothing, one extreme, and they don't realize that they have all these issues, all these lemons in their life. You do need to acknowledge it. In Nehemiah 9, they acknowledged it. They confessed it. There's a place for sorrow. There's a place to point out the lemons. But I want to balance this a little bit today. Before you take your basket of lemons and throw it out and say, forget it. Life is nothing but lemons. It's useless. It's not worth living. Wait just a second. Let's look at this from a different angle. Did Israel mess up? But God took time to send somebody to show them from the Bible where they messed up so that they could make it right, so that they could get back into fellowship with God, so that God could once again elevate this nation and manifest His presence in that nation. God made time to reach out to them, and God making time to help them made them special. I'm going to say something that's probably going to sound quite strange because it, I don't know if I've ever said this. You are special. It sounds weird, doesn't it? It's much better if I say, you're all sinners. You go, yeah, okay. That's, that's, yeah, that sounds right. You're all a bunch of miserable, wretched, useless sinners. You never do enough for God. You don't love God enough. None of you pray enough. None of you read the Bible enough. You're all failures. Now see, that hits us and we go, yeah, yeah, amen, amen. That's me, that's me, yeah, yeah, amen. I'm useless, I'm a lemon. See, I can talk about how great God is, amen. Talk about how bad man is, amen. And as soon as you start saying, no, no, listen, you were made in the image of God. Now broken as that may be, you're still special in the eyes of God. And we go, oh, wait a minute. Don't give me any credit. Please don't tell me that I have any worth. Please don't, don't say that there's something good in me. Please, please don't put that pressure on me. They said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Think about it this way. It wasn't the joy of the people. It was the joy of the Lord. On this day, God was happy. God had joy why why would God be so happy with a bunch of losers that's what they were come on now all week long you've been thinking you're a loser you should be you should be into this message (laughs) say amen that's me why would God be so interested in a bunch of losers why would he be happy about this God's looking at this and saying They have humbled themselves. They took their punishment. And now they're coming back. They're coming home. And I'm helping these people. God gets to have mercy on them. How many of you remember this verse? Mercy rejoices against judgment. God doesn't want to punish anyone. He will if He needs to. Lemons. God will punish if he needs to. But you know what God would rather do? He'd rather have mercy on you. Here's my question. Will you let him? 
will you let him? Because some of us, <clears throat> when God says, I'm going to judge you, I'm going to punish you, I'm going to condemn you, we say, yes, now finally, that's what I deserve because I'm useless, I'm worthless, I'm hopeless, I'm a wretch, I'm miserable, I'm no good. Yes, just punish me, God, that's what I deserve. And then God says, wait a minute, no, I'm, I'm going to help you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to use you, I'm going to clean you up, I'm going to change you. God, I'm not worth your time. I'm not worth your effort. I'm not worth your love. And we stay over here beating ourselves up, holding our basket of lemons going, life stinks. Life is bitter. Life is sour. How do you guys say lemon in Afrikaans? Sir, sir le moon. Sir, sir le moon. <laughs> I've always struggled to say that word. Sir le moon. Say lemon. <laughs> sir. It's... When you say the word seer, it's just seer. <laughs> but you're standing there with your seer lemons and you just... <laughs> you, you, you won't let God love on you. You won't accept it when He says, I'm happy to be having mercy on you. When the prodigal son came home, what do you think the prodigal son thought of himself? The Bible says in Luke 15, 17, that boy came to himself. He realized, I am in a pig pit. I'm a Jew living in a pig pit. Life doesn't get worse than that for a Jew. You know what he said? I'm going to go home. And I'm going to tell the father, listen to what his plan was. I am no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. I've sinned against heaven and against thee. He said, I'm not worth it. Let me ask you this. What was the father's response? Before the boy could make it all the way home, the father, you read the story, the father came running from the house and met the boy before the boy even apologized, the father was already rejoicing. Do you think that boy expected for his dad to run down the path with his arms wide open saying, welcome home, son. Let me put the ring on your finger. Let me put the shoes on your feet. Let me put the robe on you. Let's clean you up. Let's get you into the father's house. Let's, let's kill the fatted calf and let's come on spry. Do you think that's what the boy was expecting? To eat the fat and drink the sweet? To sing and dance and have joy? He wasn't expecting that. He came home thinking, I'm useless, I've ruined my life, I've wasted my father's living, I am worthless. Listen to me. Beating yourself up does not give God more glory. How often do we do this? We tear someone else down thinking that we're building ourselves up when we do it. Right? It's called gossip. Come on, you can nod to that. We all know how that feels. I'll look better if they look worse. We condemn that, yes, until we do it to ourselves. Let me make myself look worse than I really am. Let me assume that I am worse than I really am. Let me exaggerate the problem and somehow by beating myself up and making myself worse than I am, it'll give God more glory. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. 
call a lemon a lemon, but you don't need to make the lemon worse than it is. The father came to that boy and the father was rejoicing. The father was glad that the son was there. Do you think that boy, after the party was over, had some sorrow? Sure, I'm sure he shed some tears later on. I'm sure that he did apologize to his father. That is right to do. But guys, you can't spend your whole life just sorrow and grief. You need to also see the joy of the Lord because as soon as you adopt this attitude, that's it. I'm a miserable wretch. I'm useless. I'm worthless. Then you'll stop trying. You'll end up in hopeless depression. And every time another problem comes up in life, you won't even attempt to make your way through it. You need to find a source of strength to get you through those lemony times. And if you're searching for that strength from something in you, you'll never find it because you think you're worthless. You know where you look? You look to the Father and you say, but He can use these lemons and do something special in my life right now. God is not finished with me. I think I'm finished. I don't see how I'm going to do anything else for God. I don't think I can preach another Sunday. I don't think I'm going to finish the year of Bible school. I may never get to sing a song again. Those are lemons. Now, why would I want to continue living if that's the basket of lemons that I have to deal with? And then God steps in and says, Mike, let's look at this from a different angle. Those are the lemons that are in your life. Watch what I do with them. You might need to wait a little bit, but you just watch what I do with those lemons. Tribulation works patience. Patience, experience. And experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, for the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Your troubles are opportunities for God to show you how much He loves you. To shed that love in your heart. To say, I know you think you're finished and worthless and useless, but I love you more than you could ever imagine. You may not feel special, but I think you're special. Benzel, those verses I just quoted, chapter and verse, do you know it? Romans 5. I quoted verse 3, 4, and 5. Anybody know verse 6? Let me start it for you. It'll, it'll snap to your memory. For when we were yet without strength, In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for me when I was at my best. He died for me when I was at my worst. When I was without strength, I could find no reason to keep going on. And then Christ gave me a reason to keep going on. 
He said, I'll show you how special you are. I'll show you how much I love you. At your worst, I'll come down there and die for you. Paul uses Christ dying for us when, our, when we're at our worst as an illustration of any trouble you're ever going to go through. Trouble works patience. Patience, experience, experience, hope. So God, I brought these lemons on myself. God, life has handed me a basket of lemons and this is horrible. And God says, yes. And there was another time that you were in a bad situation and I stepped in and did something about it. Don't forget how much I love you. When we were yet without strength, the joy, Nehemiah 8 verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. God's trying to say, you need to look at that basket of lemons in a slightly different way. Can I ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, please? Psalm chapter 8. I have heard people preach this many times. The Bible says that we are nothing. Now, I can show you the verses. The Bible says all the nations of the world are not just nothing, they're less than nothing. I have heard, and, and even myself, I've done this. We talk about how meaningless mankind is based on that. We're less than nothing. Galatians 6, Paul says, if any man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now see, what we do is we, we take those verses out of their context so that we can beat ourselves up. We don't want to accept the compliment, the honor that God has given us as human beings. Furthermore, as His children, we're not comfortable. See, some, some people are not comfortable to receive rebuke. But strangely enough, Bible-believing Christians are not comfortable receiving a compliment. You just won't, you won't have anyone telling you that you're actually usable, lovable. I can see some of you getting very nervous. <laughs> You've never heard anything like this. Shame on me. Shame on me for not giving you all the counsel of God. All the nations of the earth, yes, they are less than nothing when compared to the glory of God. But when God made you, He, he made you something special. We are a unique creation of God. We were stamped with His image. And you're going to see in Psalm 8 that, that, gave us, that gave us a place in God's let's call it God's system or God's economy, the way He looks at things, it made us special. In, in Psalm 8, verse 6, thou, uh, verse 4, I'm sorry, David asked this, What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? You know, David looks at himself and he says, God, I, why would you take time to come talk with me? Who am I? Verse 5, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. He, 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 when he made us, he crowned us with glory and honor. He said something special about you. Now, mankind messed it up. 
We, we, we sinned. I get that. But it doesn't change the fact that God is still interested in us. In verse 6, Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. When you get to the New Testament, these verses are quoted again in Hebrews chapter 2. And the writer of Hebrews says, when he gets to the end of verse 6 there, but I just read you, he says, but we see not yet all things put under him. So we haven't seen the fulfillment of everything God intended when he created us. You know what the next verse says? He says, we don't see mankind fulfilling the God intended purpose, but we see Jesus. That's what it says. But we see Jesus, who was, he was made in the likeness of man so that he could taste death for every man. And it goes on to say that he's not ashamed to call us brothers because he has now come down to our level and lived as a human. He knows how we feel. And that chapter ends by saying we have a great high priest that can succor or help us no matter what we're going through. I want to take you to one other psalm and then we're going to be done. Psalm 27 and verse 13. Psalm 27 and verse 13. as you find that I've already quoted it to you today in Revelation 3 when Jesus is speaking to the lukewarm church he says you're wretched miserable poor blind naked I think most of you have read that in Revelation 3 that's verse 17 you know what verse 19 says as many as I love I rebuke and chasten even in their pitiful spiritual condition, he says, I love you. That's why I'm telling you that you have a basket full of lemons. You need to see the truth about yourself, but just because Jesus points out that you are holding a basket of lemons doesn't mean that he hates you. He's telling you that there's lemons in your life because he loves you. He wants you to make it right because he wants to have a closer relationship with you. If you've come to church this morning and you've never been saved, listen to this part. You're holding a basket of lemons. Those lemons are your sins and they have separated you from God and you cannot be in fellowship with them. You cannot enter heaven holding those lemons. But God commended his love towards you in that while you are a sinner, Christ died for you. You can have those sins washed away if you'll come to Christ today. Are you a sinner? Yes. Have you fallen short of the glory of God? Amen. That's true. Does that mean God has given up on you? No. Does that mean He hates you and you're off to hell? No. He still extends His love and says, please come home. I am waiting for you to make the move. I will happily run down the path, throw my arms around you, and welcome you back into the Father's house. In Psalm 27, verse 13, David said it very well. I had fainted. We would say, I, I, I would have quit. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living.
The reason I point this verse out to you is because, and again, I, I know my audience. I'm speaking to a very specific crowd. There is one extreme that thinks everything is always going to be good. God's going to prosper everything I do. There is no sin. There's no problems. And they don't see the lemons. But then there's the other crowd that says, life is never going to be good. I am never going to enjoy my life, ever. I'm a sinner. I'm a wretch. I'm useless. And I deserve bad things to happen to me. And you begin to expect it. You be, that's the only place you feel, you feel comfortable is when the bad things are happening. And here's what we do as Bible-believing, fundamental, independent Christians. We say, well, life is supposed to be hard and bad and unenjoyable because heaven is the place for all of that. When I get to heaven, then I will see the goodness of the Lord. But for now, all I can expect are lemons. And David said, if I would have thought like independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Christians, I would have quit. He says, if I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living while he's still alive, that doesn't mean the lemons go away. It means you change the way you look at the lemons. And you look at those lemons and you say, God, I don't know how, but I believe that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I don't know why you let me have these lemons, but I can't wait for you to do something with them. Guys, you need some strength to get you through those tough times, those down times. Let it be the joy of the Lord. It is your strength. Let's all stand if you would please. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Music will play softly. I'd like to invite you to come forward and change your perspective on your basket of lemons. Change the way you think about yourself. You get no brownie points with God for beating yourself up. You become no holier when you dwell on your mistakes. I think what I'm asking you to do today is to let God love you. I don't know why we struggle to do that. But we do. Let the Lord tell you today is special. It's holy. You can enjoy it. There will be a time for sorrow and tears, confession, weeping, mourning, that will happen. But you can take joy in that God is not finished with you. Even after all your mistakes, He still loves you.
Let that sink in. Let him put his arms around you. Let him put the ring on your finger. Shoes on your feet. Before we close, there's a few people praying here. We're going to give them time. There's no rush. But I would like to ask if, if you've come today and you've never been saved. There is a way to fix that. You don't have to leave this room with condemnation and wrath staring you down. You can leave today with Jesus Christ dwelling in your heart. Now because He died for your sins, He and He alone can remove those sins so that you and God can once again be in perfect fellowship. But if you've never accepted Him as your Savior, then you're stuck with those lemons. I won't point you out. I will not embarrass you. But I would like to pray for you. Would you be willing to just slip your hand up? You can put it right back down and say, Preacher, I'm not sure I've ever been saved. Pray for me. Anybody like that? You can just put your hand up, put it right back down. Say, Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Anybody like that? I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Father, I don't know why it's so much easier to talk about how bad we are. But I sure do appreciate the fact that you love us so much. And I'm sorry, Lord, that I haven't done a better job of talking about that. Lord, I don't know what to do with my basket of lemons. But I do appreciate the great strength that it gives me to know that you can do something with it. And I'm, I know there are people here this morning. They don't know what to do with their lemons. Maybe it was their fault, maybe it wasn't. But God, please throw your arms around them today. Let them enjoy your presence today. Thank you so much, Lord, for smiling down upon us. We don't deserve it, but we do appreciate it. And I pray you, Lord, please help us not to let go of that. It is our strength. It is our hope. Father, please bring us back tonight. We'd like to hear more from you. And we thank you for this time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.